Good morning. You are all very welcome to our service here today. Whether you're here in person or watching online, it is great to have you joining us. Uh, my name is Esther Simpson. I am a lay reader and uh, James and his family are off on holiday today. And so James asked me to uh, come back. I was here about six months ago and, uh, and either that's a good thing because he trusts me or because he's not here, he doesn't care because he's on holiday. But it is great to see you this morning and uh, you are very welcome. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We're going to stand together and start our service with song 112, There is a Redeemer. The reading today is from John chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Afterwards, Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was, how, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, 
Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Um, before I begin, let's pray. Lord God, as we come to your word this morning, I pray that it would take root in our ears and in our minds and in our hearts. Lord, that what I speak would be of you and that we would be attentive to listen to what your spirit is saying to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know that over the past month or so, you have been looking at the people and stories of Easter. You have looked at uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and you've looked at the crowds and Judas and Thomas. And last Sunday, you were looking at the women who went to the tomb. And today, we're going to round out that series by looking at one of my favorite characters, Peter. Um, I think I quite like Peter because I think I'd be like him. I would be jumping out of the boat and swimming, trying to walk on water, um, impulsive, dramatic in my gestures. Um, and, uh, and I've always rather loved and had a soft spot for this, this disciple, this rugged fisherman who just walks away from his livelihood to follow this strange itinerant carpenter come preacher. Um, but Peter has not been having a good time. Um, we'll do a little brief recap. Uh, so Thursday, Monday, Thursday, as we know it now, uh, the day that Peter is supposed to be having a great time celebrating the Passover, one of the high points of any Jewish, Jewish year's calendar. Uh, Thursday was probably about the worst night of Peter's life. So it doesn't start brilliantly. Uh, they, they arrive in the upper room. There isn't a servant to wash feet. Jesus gets up, starts washing feet. And Peter's like, whoa, no, hang on, stop. No, no, you should not be doing this. And, and Jesus is like, well, well, I need to. This is, and, and Peter's like, well, then, then all of me. And this is very typical Peter. It's, he's like an all-in man. He's like, well, then wash all of me. And Jesus is like, no, I only need to wash your feet. So rebuke number one. Um, they're having the Passover meal. It has been a tense week. Like, there has been quite a lot of opposition. They know that the religious authorities are not happy about Jesus. Um, Pete, the, the, probably all of the disciples have been doing a bit of bodyguarding duty around Jesus. Um, and Peter makes this extravagant claim, Lord, I, I will die for you. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus turns around and says, Peter, within 12 hours, you're going to deny me three times. Like, that's a real slap in the face. And then after a meal where a fair amount of wine is drunk and a lot of food is eaten, they head out into the night. By this time, we're talking, it's probably nearing midnight. And 
Jesus is obviously distressed and he takes his disciples with him and he says, he says, watch and pray. I'm going to go over there and, and pray. And three times his disciples fall asleep. And he's like, Simon, could you not do this? Could you not for one hour have watched with me? And then the guards arrive and there are torches and it's all a kerfuffle. And Peter thinking, well, I need to protect Jesus, pulls out a sword, slashes at the nearest thing to him, cuts off someone's ear. It's all very bloody. Jesus turns around and is like, put the sword away. What do you think you're doing? Rebuke number four. And then Jesus is led away and taken to the high priest's house. And this, this is not normal. Like under Jewish law, you did not get tried at nighttime. Like the disciples run scared and Peter runs away a bit and then kind of creeps back and heads towards where Jesus is going, gets let into the courtyard. This is in the wee small hours of the morning. He is tired. He is scared. He is shivering with cold and fear and comes close to the fire and decides to just keep quiet and stay still. And then someone's like, weren't you with him? No. I'm sure I saw you with him. It, it, it wasn't me. I, I don't know him. And then a bit later, no, but your accent, your gal, you must have been with him. I swear, I don't know the man. And at that point, the cock crows. And Peter sees Jesus walking across the far corner of the courtyard and Jesus looks at Peter and Peter's like, I have so blown it. I have so blown it. And he leaves the courtyard and he goes and throws himself to the ground and weeps. And he's thinking, there is no way back. And then Friday, the worst night is followed by the worst day. There's no record of Peter being anywhere near the crucifixion, but he will have heard what's going on. However busy Jerusalem was, and there were probably about a million people in Jerusalem, the rumors would have circulated. He would have known who those three bodies on those three crosses were. And Peter's going, well, I can't even say sorry. There's no time to explain. And then Sunday. So Peter, by this time, has crept back to the upper room and is with the other disciples. They don't know what's going on. They're wondering who will be next. Sabbath has passed. This is the beginning of the next week. Their doors are locked because the Jewish authorities are out for blood. And then the women come, battering on the door, going, well, we went, and, and he wasn't there, and... and and these people said, and we don't know. And so Peter and John run to the tomb, and John is younger, so he gets there first. It's hilarious that in his gospel he has to put in to note who won that race. And Peter runs up, and John stops, John stops, has a look in, and thinks, well, I'm not going in there. And Peter just barges in, typical Peter, and is like, well, what's going on? Because the thing that was missing was the one thing that had no value, was the body. The thing that had value, the spices and the grave clothes, that's all there, all rolled up neatly. But the one thing that nobody would have wanted, because it would have been 
increasingly smelly, was the body, and that was gone. And Peter's going, Sunday evening comes, disciples are really not sure what's going on, and suddenly Jesus is there and speaking peace to them, and then he's not there. And then a week later, he's there, says some things to Thomas, and then he's not there. And Peter's like, I still haven't had a chance to talk to him about this. And so that brings us to today's reading. It's another cold, miserable, long night. It's not a great night. It's not as bad as the worst night, but it's not a great night. They're doing something that many of them know how to do. They're fishing, but it's not working. And then in the morning, there is this utter turnaround of events. So we're going to think about what restoration looks like. And there are probably about 50 sermons you could preach on this passage. But I'm going to just focus on a few of the aspects of how Jesus restores Peter. So the first thing that, that restoration looks like is it looks generous. Jesus knows, even though the disciples don't know that Jesus knows, but Jesus knows that they've been out all night. It's been a really hard night. They've been working hard. They are cold. They are hungry. And Jesus provides for their physical needs. And I wonder if in your life you've ever experienced that, that sometimes what Jesus' presence and what Jesus' closeness feels like is that there's just practical stuff done. And in this case, he provides fish tacos, which I'm kind of hoping was Peter's favorite breakfast for breakfast. So he provides them warmth, a fire to gather around, and food. It's a barbecue on the beach. But more than that, he says to Peter, go and get some of the fish you caught. Now, that's really generous because although they actually caught the fish, it was Jesus who told them where to catch them. But Jesus uses the skill set of these people, even the fallen Peter. He's like, Peter, go and get some of the fish you caught and add them to the fish that I've got. And he does that with us. He doesn't ignore what the good stuff that's in us, the skills and the gifts and the talents that he's given us. He still wants to use those even if we've blown it. And the third bit of generosity is that after Jesus asks Peter those questions, he gives him instructions. Now, they're weird instructions to give a fisherman. He says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And Peter's going, I don't know that much about animal husbandry. I am more used to dispatching fish than caring for live livestock. But Jesus gives Peter something to do. And when God restores us, it is not to just put us on a pedestal and say to the world, look, aren't they wonderful? It's usually to get our hands dirty, to get in there and to work for his kingdom. The second thing that restoration looks like is it looks honest. Jesus strips Peter right back. My husband was an architect and uh, when we were in our 120 year old house, when we were decorating my daughter's bedroom, there was one wall that had seven layers of wallpaper on it. It took a day to strip a small wall 
And I'm like, can we not just leave? <laughs> like, this layer's okay, it's pretty flat. And Colin was like, no, we take it right. I need to see what's, what the wall is like behind it because we might need it to be replastered. We don't know what kind of cracks. We don't know what the wall looks like. And restoration, when Jesus restores us, he strips us back. And that is not a comfortable process. In this case, one of the ways he strips back is he, he turns around to Peter, who has been called Peter throughout most of the Gospel of John, and he says, Simon, son of John, Simon. I wonder what Peter was thinking. Like, but you, you gave me the name Peter. Am I, is that no longer my name? Am I no longer Peter? But it isn't a wagging finger. Jesus doesn't point him in the chest and go, you denied me. You betrayed me. You said you didn't know me. He says, Simon. The last time Jesus has called him Simon was on the Thursday evening. And the last time before that, that the Gospels record, is right at the beginning, when Jesus called Peter for the first time and said, Simon, come and follow me. Sometimes restoration can feel harsh, can feel hard. Three times Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says at the third time, Peter was grieved that Jesus asked him three times. See, Jesus wasn't in the courtyard a few weeks back. He hadn't heard what, what, Simon, what Peter had said. But the fact that Jesus asked him three times, Peter's going, you, you, you knew. You knew it was three times. You knew I did that. Because the truth is that we can't hide stuff from God. We might try. We can hold it behind our backs and pretend it's not there. And God sees it anyway. And part of restoration with him is being honest and going, God, this is what I've got. And that might be shame and that might be guilt and that might be anger, it might be confusion, that might be betrayal. That could be doubt. It can also be rejoicing and thanksgiving and gratitude. But this is the posture that Jesus gets Simon to, gets Simon Peter to, an honest posture. And the third thing that restoration looks like is it gets to the heart of the issue. Because Jesus didn't say to Peter, well, you weren't very obedient. Where was your faith? You promised. You promised that you'd come with me to prison and death. What Jesus says is, do you love me? Because what Jesus was after with Peter, what God has always been after with his people, is their hearts. Way back in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 5, God says to Moses, oh, oh, that they would always have hearts like this. 
hearts that were turned towards him, hearts that were willing to obey him, hearts that were ready to follow him. Because the heart of the issue is always our hearts. Because in all of this, Jesus knew the bigger picture. Jesus had predicted Peter's denial. Jesus knows Peter better than Peter knows himself. Peter knows in part, as it says in 1 Corinthians 13. Jesus knows fully. But before Jesus had predicted Peter's denial, Jesus had said, follow me and come and catch people. And he'd said, you're a rock, and on this rock I'll build my church. Even as Jesus had said those things months and years before, he knew that Peter would, would deny him. And even as he knows that Peter has denied him, he still says, follow me, follow me, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And this isn't the last time that Peter needs restoring. In Acts 10, Jesus shows him, he's, he's shown this vision from God and his response is, no, no, Lord. And God has to be pretty firm with him and go, no, you've got this wrong. This needs doing. And again, later in Galatians 2, we see that Paul had to confront Peter. So this restoration on the beach is not the final restoration that Peter experiences. C.H. Spurgeon said, we may get such a restoration from the Lord himself that we may become better Christians ever after. We may get such a restoration from the Lord himself that we may become better Christians ever after. And that is true. Peter never denied Jesus again. He was imprisoned many times. Church history says that he went to a cross, refused to be crucified the same way up as Jesus, was crucified upside down. But he never denied Jesus again. His restoration made him a better follower of Jesus. And God can do that with us. Because see, here the th here's the thing. Every morning, from Good Friday morning, when that first rooster crowed and Peter wept bitterly, to this morning on the beach, roosters have crowed every morning and Peter has probably heard them. And every time a rooster has crowed, it has been like a punch in the gut for Peter. And Jesus chooses this point of restoration at daybreak as the roosters are crowing to restore Peter. So every morning as he hears the rooster, he will be reminded of his denial and then he will eat breakfast and be reminded of his restoration. What about us? What about you? I wonder if, as I've been speaking this morning, there's something niggling you. Do you have a rooster that crows, something that reminds you of a point in your life, a point in this last week, where you denied Jesus? 
we're going to take a moment of silence. And we're going to do something that has been done by Christians for centuries. We are going to imagine ourselves into this story. So as we close our eyes, let the Holy Spirit bring to mind whatever it is. It may be a relationship at work. It might be something we've said. It might be a website that we, we frequent or a habit that we just can't break. And Jesus stands in front of you and he says your name. And he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then, as you are able to, may you quietly reply, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then hear his quiet instruction. Follow Amen. And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning and enjoy the rest of this beautiful day.